0: Welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches. This podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results.
1: There we go. What's happening, y'all? Welcome back to the Gymnasial Podcast. I am your host, CJ Kobliska. Got two savage humans on the show today. DJ Merkame and Chris Chamberlain, Uh, welcome on, you guys.
2: Thanks for having me on, CJ. Yeah,
3: super excited to be here, CJ. I'm
1: going to give a little breakdown of just how you guys entered my existence, Um, just so people know have a reference point of why are these two on here? We've heard of them. Why are you interviewing them? um, or just enough conversation. But, uh, a couple of years ago, I don't know if it was through just Instagram and searching around and stuff getting on the suggest ads, but uh, I came across like both of you guys around the same time, but I didn't know that you guys had, um, chatted or, or had a relationship at all in, in any way. I'm um, just knew you guys were in California and I think I, I was just so blown away by the amount of strength and not just, strength as in pushing weight but strength in all these different angles I mean chiseled from every you didn't have a bad side there was above you beneath you to the sides of you you looked damn good and you looked like you're having a good time doing what you're doing um, one of it was DJ it was just it looked like you were a damn gorilla out there with like your your teeth your fangs hanging out no matter what you were doing and I was I was uh, inspired by it I started to like bring in that aggression into my uh, training and I was like, oh, I feel something like primal in here, so I'm gonna follow this guy. And around the same time, I had, um, I think Tom Mountjoy had popped up, and his name was Primal Movers. And I was like, oh man, okay, I'm getting I'm feeling this primal energy, and now I'm finding this uh, anthropologist, and I got this strength trainer, and I got this guy who's just his name is Savage Protocols. I don't even know what your name was, Chris, um, but I was like, Savage Protocol sounds badass. I'm gonna see what kind of exploration this guy's doing. And I think what brought me to you guys uh, the most was just your explorative heart. Your, your mindset was kind of like everything goes, but I'm going to explore this at a deeper level and whether it was intentional to communicate a specific message across um, it's your, your videos and, and um, comments beneath like the conversations that we had, I, I was inspired by it. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to chat with you both at the same time. I don't think that's ever happened before for on my end. So thanks for being here. And, uh, Thanks for breaking whatever we're going to break down today.
2: CJ, do you think you were a victim of the algorithm? 100%. that you willingly uh, connected to all of us? I think it was divine intervention
1: in the sense that, yeah, when shit pops up on my Facebook and it looks like something I want to buy, I know that it's feeding me what I I want, and I'm going to purchase that thing. So I, I saw you guys like, follow, follow, I'm in. Whatever this is gonna take me down, I'm going in the rabbit hole with you.
2: I I also trust that the overlords know what's best for me. They know me better than myself. <laughs> Dude,
3: I'm total victim. I changed my name to Savage and then I immediately saw uh in my feed DJ. <laughs> and that's how I met DJ on social. So, <laughs> so that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Savage. You spoke it, it like, into the universe. Immediately came there. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's the words, man. It speaks. It speaks, it speaks. Uh, DJ, when did I, this goes to both of you guys, uh, but when did you become Strong Camps? Just for those of that, those people that are listening that don't know who you are, um, Strong Camps on Instagram, when did you become that? And how did you become that? And why did you become that?
2: <laughs> yeah, like it, it's a, a persona identity. It was actually uh, ah, 2014 or 15. Whatever. So I had an Instagram before and a uh, personal Instagram that was private. It was just pictures of like flowers and meals I made and um, I decided to make one for my business and I had a Saturday boot camp that I called Strong Camps. It was like strength circuits. So I made an Instagram to promote my uh, Saturday uh, boot camp class and called it Strong Camps. (laughs) That's how it started. That's epic. And then I, I did one video where I had my shirt off doing an exercise, and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm not going to film my boot camps anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to film myself <laughs> exercising. Oh, okay.
1: God. It's Pexel, man. It's Excel and Pexel.
2: You, you got to follow the algorithm. Praise about you,
1: What about you, Chris? I know you, you recently became Chris Chamberlain on Instagram. So you're back to your yeah. original original name, but uh, Savage Protocols,
3: where did that start? I I was KB Beast Fit originally, (laughs) (laughs) which was nothing. I literally have been, I've been on social media for like, not that long, like a little before I met DJ probably. So I haven't even been on it very long. Was that Um, your AOL, like aim name? I still have an AOL email, by the way, guys, It's the the (laughs) one you're going to get back at me the best. And I'm not 40 or 50. (laughs) I'm in my 30s. So pathetic um you know uh savage protocols originally the idea of it was uh it's just this idea of just like i had like a method to my madness a little bit so they're sort of oxymoron to each other like i'm gonna be doing some downright dangerous awesome shit and but there's also a really progressive and regressive approach to how i do things actually so uh, it's super attainable to anybody in my mind so that was really the thought behind that originally nice yeah man i right know thanks for sharing uh, i
1: know i just got a little thing up here on my i'll have to edit it out but i don't know if you guys got that little thing that said 10 minutes left so i'm gonna when we ended that 10 minutes i'll just call you guys back in i don't know why my thing didn't <laughs> update but there should be no limit on here so just if you guys are like oh shit knocked out tap t- back in yeah uh, thanks for sharing on that the background of you guys uh when you two guys met up i know you said it was through instagram how did that kind of take off because i mean with what you guys have created with chi torque um and just the level mm-hmm. of communication of what strength can it can really be um as a, as a more three-dimensionalized more multi-dimensional than that than just lifting heavy weights but lifting heavy weights in different directions uh where did you guys relationship and
3: communication take off uh... You know I think i i did i invite i invited you i mean we met no and view realistically like big time that's where I would say, yeah well we I, yeah I, we, we offered more of a relationship there we
2: met o m u which which was um we pretty much had these like random tasks movement tasks, and Chris would like load up all the tasks in over the top ridiculous <laughs> like feats of strength, and I was like, oh my god this dude is strong. Like he, he was savage protocols. Um, so that's when, yeah, we were like, uh, I think we were both doing some challenges on Instagram and, uh, mm-hmm. that's where I gained a lot of respect for Chris. <laughs> it's <was> just <laughs> his sheer, uh, farm boy strength. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Pound for pound. Some of the strongest guys I know both of you.
2: Yeah. I think Chris might be, um, if someone said who has the most like raw farm boy strength, I would say, yeah, Chris Chamberlain.
3: What a guy! Sure. Thank you, DJ. I appreciate that. <laughs> what
1: What are the uh, What are the test protocols here? What are the three to five things you're going to do to
3: prove this? Oh me, I'm going to pick up things that nobody else has thought to pick up, and I'm just going to do it because I can, and nobody else will be able to do it. <laughs> DJ's the only one I think that might be able to pull it off. <clears throat> No, you, have be but, able to, you have to be able to lift my anchor chain that I have. Only a couple men have been able to do it, and most of them have been Olympic athletes. So,
2: you got that in the garage
3: now? Oh, it's right behind me. Yeah. got my anchor back here, too. It shall be done. I'm looking for a safe. If anybody has a safe or an anvil, <laughs> I'm looking for that right now. What do you have in that safe? Nothing. I just lift it. Uh, yeah, I want to be able to, I'm going to weld in the plate thing so I can plate load it. <laughs> DJ, what would you
1: say is some of the strongest feats you've accomplished if you had to put it into a top three?
2: Oh, boy. I don't know. I mean, the the ones that were hardest don't look the most impressive. But uh, <laughs> one that stands out to me is I was at this Airbnb in Joshua Tree, and there was a huge satellite dish. It was like really big maybe the size of like a a whole roof and it wasn't too heavy um so i'm like okay i could do this but it was windy so every time i would try to pick this thing up if a gust of wind would come by i would it would topple over and like blow me away so i had to time it exactly in between these um gusts of wind and (laughs) yeah that was the hardest one just because the fear factor and because of balancing this thing uh, against the wind.
3: I think I remember watching that one. That was I sweet. I definitely I remember the shopping carts, the thing I always remember, DJ. It's how I will forever remember you, and you are ingrained in my head.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, that's what's fun about those odd objects and implements is, I mean, they're difficult to pick up because they could be heavy, but the awkwardness... The sketch factor of dropping it on your face, and balancing it, um, and orienting yourself underneath it—I uh, don't know if you, do you hear that in the back?
1: Yeah, motorcycles rolling around back there, or what? <laughs> yeah,
2: there's a. I live next to a motorcycle gang, so yeah, <laughs> hopefully, sometimes just come out and brat, map. Know <laughs> you're on the phone every time,
1: <laughs> uh, DJ. Something that inspired me and i think it's it's what may have stemmed to the creation of maybe the start of chi torque i don't want to get into kind of what that was and, and what it means to you guys um it was when we were in peru back in 2019 and we we're we we're under the influence of cactus and i found myself doing nonstop swinging of my arms and all different directions and I look over at you and you're so calm and maybe possessed calm I don't know Um, but you were it seemed like you were carrying two giant boulders and like levitating them around you and for what it was it inspired me to go pick up rocks and throw them as far as I could across the river that we were at and Mm -hmm. I look back over and you were, you said, stop moving. And I don't know if you saw me or I saw you what happened, but um, I felt this, this spark <laughs> um, that has never left me since that day. Um, in fact, I even had a crazy dream last night. And I was like, Oh my God, I think this came out because I'm going to go talk to these guys tomorrow. Um, I saw a gorilla face like I had shared. And it was like these big old things that had come through and it was your face. And last night it was a grizzly bear. And I know if that was representing Chris, myself, just the energy that uh, you had brought through, but do you mind kind of going into that time in your life, which wasn't that long ago, but I think it was around the time that she Torque was being created and kind of break down that process of maybe uh, creating a course or creating that, just your communication with your body in order to relay this to other people? Oh boy. I threw a lot at you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> I guess that's kind of um, how the idea originated was communication because Chris came down and he was showing me uh, this coiling um, move that, you know, David Weck originated. And once again, it's like, I respect Chris. I trust him. He, I listen to strength. So I'm saying, okay, I'm going to try this out. So in he's kind of st- Start learning it and starting to try to verbally articulate it. Cause he felt it, he got into the coil and he's trying to like, you know, show it to me. So he's uh, coaching me through it, tell me the things and I'm, as I'm looking into it, I'm like, okay, this is actually very similar to the torque concept, which is a model I use by, uh, you know, Julian Pinal created it. And that's the way I kind of, pieced it together and was able to access this coiling motion was okay oh it's this torque which i'm creating and then i'm spiraling it essentially hmm. so then um i come back to chris and i'm communicating my language and my model and he's hmm. you know coming back with his language and his model and we're seeing it just line up everything hmm. i'm like okay so let's look at the principles behind these moves and see if we can create just uh, a framework and a language so that we could easily um, access and communicate what we're trying to teach. So that's kind of where the concept of the Chi Torque came from was we're just laying out these uh, constraints of torque intention and then filtering movements through them and seeing what comes out. So we're experimenting with that. We were playing around with that. And um yeah, come when we met in Peru uh and we took the San Pedro, the Wachuma, which is pretty much uh it's similar to um I guess I would say MDMA chemically, so it's a very physical like embodied uh experience and and we we took a good amount we took a lot so psychedelic doses and we're in this sacred valley with this river this large river going through and there's just the valley is the backdrop in front of us behind us we have all these trees blowing in the wind and the chi torque stuff is on my mind and i see this tree just rooted deep in the ground just blowing and uh the wind and i'm just watching it (laughs) and i root my feet into the ground and i start waving um the tensions like pretty much the constraints we were said
1: sorry about that dj that i could cut you off but we are now getting to the real juice of the roots
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah essentially uh i i think i i write down all the symbols in a message chris and that uh the tree is the third contributor um of the the chitor course and let's be honest all all great inventions were influenced by uh psychedelics whether it's the iphone um the (laughs) double helix DNA
3: model or, or the internet so mm. thank you tree yeah i remember dude dj i remember you <clears throat> you sent me an email from that trip about your experience and up to that point really this course like <clears throat> it was the first time we were really working together and like you said we were trying to create a way to communicate <clears throat> all that similarity we were sort of seeing between these two uh, guys we were both sort of learning from and using models and I was trying to develop everything that we were doing with David and uh, we had kind of created some sort of base up to that point of what we sort of thought we were trying to communicate. And after that experience, and I got this, like, I do I, I, I'm trying to look for it the other day because I was talking about somebody This is I got this like beautiful email from you <laughs> that I've never, I've never had such like a nicely written email to me in my life <clears throat> about this experience that you had with it. And it was sort of like a, we got to like, think differently on all this and apply some different stuff on it too and we sort of like at that point I really feel like that's where we started sort of crystallizing the idea of what we really actually wanted it to be and I think we started remodeling it a little bit and really turning it into what it is today. Um, <clears throat> I think that, that experience you had was pretty profound in regards to helping us communicate better on what we were after.
1: So I'll, I'll, you mind if I break down a few of those pieces just so that those who are unfamiliar with black method or maybe haven't practiced some of the principles, um, Chris, you mind chatting a little bit more about the coil and that experience of why that's important or why that may be one of the, one of the three pieces that brought this communication out of you guys?
3: Yeah, I mean, so I, I met David, I was learning about what he was referring to as coiling core. Uh, which at that time was super young and we really didn't even have an understanding of it. Like I said, I was working with DJ trying to figure out sort of how to communicate it and understand it. I even did something with OMU uh, sort of right as I was onboarding with Weck Method. I, I actually, <clears throat> I used my course through OMU sort of as a way to, to understand better how to communicate it and understand how people, what they were feeling. That was really a valuable experience for me. But this idea of side bending, which I would refer to as external At the time, what we were after was what I believe is external torsion, I think uh, on a single side, um, was what I was after and what I was searching for. And DJ's language that he had learned from Julian really helped me understand what that meant because Dave didn't really have that that thought process behind it. He was looking at it directly towards like specific performance acts, not as like a line of intent uh, and creation there. Um, yes, yeah, so the side bending and understanding external, I think was really, that really helped me understand how to grab internal uh, torsion when we get to talking about that stuff. Um, and really, I think it's what I, I sort of helped bring to the table for Chi Torque was a, an idea of sort of splitting the intention or understanding how it might apply to that. Uh, at that point, I think maybe we had only been really exploring it sort of like in the center which is how a lot of people, I think, are gonna understand it and I'll feel it at first.
1: Yeah, I mean, like with the the way you have the course lined up, it starts out with very basic. It seems very essential, um, going from like the roots and then to floating your roots into more of an open chain, and then diving into actually shifting it from one side to another and flowing with that, and then carrying it over to walking. It was like an initial, like, okay, here's your roots, take up your roots. And then now go travel with those and reroute yourself and it's it establish a good foundation. When I found myself, like you launched it, I'm like, I'm going into this. And I, I probably spent three or four days of just nonstop. I wasn't doing anything else. i just watching the videos. I still had time off of work and was, it was, it was screwing with my mind. If that's the only way I could put it, I, I couldn't think through it. I could only feel it. And it was shifting my mindset where I had come from a, a background of, Uh, I have to think through things and understand them conceptually and then try to write it down and then talk about it. I had lost touch with that feeling space. And after that experience in Peru, it kind of brought me back. And I was like, I was mind blown. I had to stop thinking and start feeling in a sense. And this kind of helped me to anchor that, that feeling and what it meant to really feel something to know it versus to conceptually try to understand and figure it out and all of its pieces reduce the pieces and then try to put them all together um so thank you for for putting those pieces together and kind of aligning that helping me align um those pieces you're talking about the external internal torque where weck method the coiling core showed you more the externalization of it what do you mean by this internalization of torque for somebody who's on the outside going yeah i've done coiling but there's something that's the opposite of that is it opposite? Is it different? Is it along the same lines? You said it was kind of two ends of the spectrum. Um,
3: I mean, for, for me, I mean, it's as simple as like uh, DJ used to the idea of hugging a tree with like this idea of bring, coming around center line is my thought process on it and meeting from the front, creating that inner, internal torque. And then vice versa, this idea of pushing away or meeting the center line at the back in a sense would equal external torrent in a very simple concept of it. I, with what I do with WEC method and all that, I think a lot of it has to do with like gravitational forces and stuff like that too. And then the external intent of what you might be doing and what you're applying it to on how it all sort of divvies out and does its thing. But I mean, that simple concept literally giving somebody a hug and then pushing them away from you is just a simple way to experience the concept. I think DJ used to do like a nice little, uh, Like I was a towel drill or shaking out your sheets, something like that as an opportunity to sort of express or feel what we're talking about. And I love how you mentioned feel a lot. I think that's a really important piece of it. I had, I was, I was sick of, uh, I know I was sick of just like overly technical stuff. So having sort of like a, a general thought process and a way to filter through movement and try to experience it a little differently was really big for me. I know that that's what made me really love like the, the Kamehameha section that we did in the course. Like where it is a little more flowy, where we really get to put it together. That one really, I really enjoyed that portion of it. Um, but yeah, that, that's what we mean by internal, I guess. It's just if you, if, you, if you gave somebody a hug, I think that's a great way to explain it, DJ, if you would agree with me on that.
2: Yeah, um, I, would, no. I would say um, going back to the communication, it started all positionally, as yeah. in your joint goes here to here. But that wasn't really the point of like the coil or creating the torque, right? It wasn't just mimicking positions. It was tension through the muscles. So um, when we brought in these chain of muscles into the uh, torque concept, so external torque is going to be the opposite chain of muscles um, as internal torque, which is the muscles contributing to, you know, going towards the midline. So then we had a more uh, objective way of saying, okay, we want the line of tension to be generated through here because you could take a snapshot or a picture of someone doing both torques and they could be in a similar position, but you don't know the intent behind it or where they're driving the force. And that's where really what I got from, you know, David and Chris was this um, directional intent, which I never had in the gym. I was always kind of just standing there sagely. Or even if I was going in different planes, I was just moving weight up and down or to a certain spot. But this like waving motion um, that's generated through the torque and which includes balance and verticality, which are things that I didn't really um, couldn't really grasp until putting in these constraints of the course. Um, it, It just, like you said, the feeling of the feeling and the tension of the movement. Uh, are prioritized over just creating shapes. Mm -hmm.
1: If you take it into something uh, simple, I I think you guys had said something about a a deadlift and there's one way that you can, you can say, you could crush the bar, you can rip the bar, but what are you really doing when you're crushing or ripping the bar? And um, it's more of a full body expression. I was talking to to Leo Savage about this and how um, he mentioned like, yeah, lifting weights is an expression. Flows is an expression. It's all expression. When you when you go to train, there's still emotion that's involved with it. Um, and there's an intent more behind the emotion. Like the emotion may be driving something, but what's your intent when you go into this action or into this activity? Something like just doing a standard barbell deadlift over, over grip, and you go to do your deadlift. Talking about the expression of your tension, it's like, well, what are you intending to do? Are you tending to just to lift the bar up? Because there's probably some other things that we subconsciously do when we're going to lift that bar up. We think it's simple that we're just lifting up, but how many other pieces are involved in the success The success of that movement? You know, what is your right foot and left foot doing? You can look at it biomechanically or looking at it internally, like reflecting and internalizing what you experience. Now, something beautiful can come from this deadlift. Something powerful can come from this deadlift. Um, I've seen so many people approach a bar and be very vulnerable with it. And it's like, oh, your back is having issues or we've been told like, oh, these, we have to correct these things when really it may be a matter of just connecting somebody deeper to what they're trying to do, as opposed to just like, oh, this bar is scary. I'm going to lift this thing. Instead of trying to correct all this form, how are we communicating the intent? And I think what typically people do is say, trainers will do is say, rip the bar or crush the bar. So it applies some kind of tension into that bar, bringing it to, you know if you say crush, it may bring you more into um, something similar to an ice or that compression in the front, like more like the hug and something maybe if you rip the bar apart, it's more like that fire or that expansive energy and both are correct. But if we don't know what we're doing, that may be the, the disconnect. That might be where there's a lack of success. That's p- putting it very simply, but I think there's so many other layers that as a coach, if we're aware of we can start talking to that behavioral side of it and not just saying we need to fix all these like knee and your back and your shoulder and all these pieces. Maybe they just need that deeper connection. And so what I guess what, I, what I'm asking is what kind of cues may you give somebody, if you're applying the, the concepts from Chi Torque and you're not necessarily trying to say, Hey, take this whole course and then come see me. You're just going to use bits and pieces to help that person become more successful in that session. What are the things you find yourself saying or speaking to um, that helps somebody? Maybe who maybe is more vulnerable, maybe is a bit weaker or new to training and just unaware of that communication with their body?
2: Well, this is something I think me and Chris probably approach differently, um, which is great because mm-hmm. you could kind of figure out whatever cueing, um, whatever drills you want to um, transmit the, the feeling or the proper tension that you're going for. So I will either change the. Um, somehow can change the constraints of the exercise. So if I want internal torque and an easy way to describe this is if you're lifting up a sandbag or an object between your hands, a baby, a box, um, you're medially compressing the object as you press it above. And if you have a barbell, a lot of people are taught, rip it apart. So under an X-ray, you could be hitting the same positions, but you're squeezing entirely different Uh, muscles while you're going through the path and you're going to find this affects mobility. This affects um, where you're going to feel it the next day, where you're driving the tension. So I'll either, I'll change the implement for people and say, Hey, we're going to use the sandbag to squat or to press. Or if I want to break it down uh, more on a isolation level, I'll look at the muscles that contribute to more medial tension and internal torque. And we'll just, isolate those muscles with like bodybuilding and that might uh, bring it up or contribute to them gaining connection to their body so that they can then use it on an exercise and I'm sure that I'd like to hear how Chris uses it I'm sure if it's more of a movement um, lens that he
3: uses yeah yeah yeah. I'd love to talk about this because something that's always been big for me I just kind of want to go back to some stuff you were saying a little bit and answer this question at the same time because uh, we're sort of getting into queuing. And for me, I, I grew up laboring. I was a construction worker with my dad. I grew up just lifting stuff my whole life. DJ always says I'm <clears throat> farm strong. And I, I would agree in that sense is that I actually felt like I got weaker when people started queuing me and trying to tell me what to do. And I immediately gravitated away from it because I genuinely had like an intuitive understanding of like, no, no, no. I've lifted really heavy shit over my head and put it over a wall. And like, I didn't do it that way. Don't tell me. So I sort of migrated away from coaching, like people telling me what to do. <clears throat> so this lens that we sort of created is such a great way to like filter feeling and start to help somebody else understand a feeling without so much cueing. It, it, it lends an opportunity to cue if you would like, and you understand it. But what I have found is there are, as a, it's like DJ's saying is like picking up a sandbag or something in the front, something like carry like that. It's very in, like intuitive to feel the internal torsion or, like experience. And I will I will go out of my way just to make sure that there is exposure to different drills that lend themselves to almost always put the person there without any thought process. So there can be a layer of not having to feel like they're constantly being told what to do, but we can develop like a that we can they can develop that feeling with themselves. Cause as DJ said, like things can sometimes look similar in shape or appearance but the intent behind it may be different. So I tend to find that like, if, if somebody's in something that could sort of be one way or the other, like, I, like I don't know. Like if, if they don't know, then I don't know. And then they rely on a cue maybe to get the experience I'm looking for as their coach. So I really, at this point, in my understanding of it, I really like, I really go out of my way to do things that feel totally opposite of the other thing, that there's almost no chance of them even experiencing it. And then that's uh, a big thing we're I'm, I'm, I'm huge on is positions. So developing positions before we start creating full movement a lot of the time. And not that I don't do movement, but I think it's great to work on like isometrics and holds and postures and understand them and, and under duration and load and or some sort of intensity. And I get people to experience that in either of the lines, and then learning to move the line with that once they understand it. And then also, and then being able, I think at that point, there's an understanding of A, B, what I'm after, and then learning to the transition between the lines. So <clears throat> with like anything else, I think something positional positional first and picking exercise choices that obviously makes sense for the person and the goal, but also also makes sense for educating the line of intent you might be trying to tackle and, and develop that and and realistically i mean i can get super specific with some of the stuff maybe in a minute if we want to but like it really depends on the external task of the person what they're after and i think a lot of time in the gym a lot of people don't actually know what they're directing all of this intensity towards uh, i i get the opportunity to work with like a lot of athletes right now and stuff like that and high level people so there's like a very like specific intent which is really helpful and this stuff is really informative on how to to develop pathways for very specific tasks or like singular jobs, maybe a high performing athlete has, which is really cool. Um, I'm working with somebody really special, like really cool with that right now, which is kind of oddball. Well, maybe we'll go into at some point, but, <clears throat> I don't know that kind of makes sense. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I want to touch on a few points of that, like the, the positions, especially as I, I work with here at Genozo, especially our, our community, we've got a, a wide range of abilities and capacities to move and to train, but everybody's looking to better something and that's to, to live more easily, more freely. And we created this class called Mindful Movement. That's just essentially a, it's a yoga style class in the sense that it's a little bit more posture related, holding in certain areas and then connecting with your breath, connecting with your body. And what I've seen happen over the course of, we had this once a week for um, just before the pandemic and then through the pandemic and we stopped doing it, but we started integrating it into our training and it was essentially working into positions and staying in them into a duration until you feel something and not just visiting the position and going out of it. Cause I think so often, especially with the the way that we live our lives in kind of a rush and we're going to get all these things done, at least in this Western culture is that we don't give ourselves time to feel we just think and we do 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 and in that doing you have an opportunity to feel but without spending time in what you're doing just getting it done checking it off the list we don't reflect back on our experience or we don't have time during that experience to reflect and so in this class taking them through um, our spherical movement series first just you know getting the thoracic spine hips and shoulders to move through their general up and down motion lateral motion and rotational movement kind of setting a framework of lines of sensation of balancing your front of your body, balancing the back of your body, feeling it lengthen, not feeling just the contraction of the tissues, but feel them load or lengthen first and then contract to bring them home. And then working through some diagonal type motions, like hybrids of the planes, and then finding that we can integrate the Chi Torque series and coiling and how beautifully those mesh after there's been an opportunity to slow down and connect with an extension and hold and just notice your breathing in extension, notice your breathing in flexion, notice your breathing in lateral bending, notice your breathing in rotation, and then having the funnel of one side going through some externalization as the other t- side is going through an internalization of torque and going, oh, one side feels free, one side feels different, and just having the opportunity to say, hey, pause here and breathe. Um it's like people get lighter and they feel freer and they're calmer after going through a series like this. This is kind of the outside of not just the training side, but um, the, it's a meditative movement. It's an opportunity to just notice what your body is already doing and give it time to process those sensations or those feelings so that when you visit those positions like a single leg balance or a stride stance or a deep squat um, or your heels are just off the ground. And recognizing what is it that your body is trying to do and it's trying to communicate. It's trying to foster a way to maintain your stability, maintain your roots. So you, that you don't timber like a tree. Um, and how beautifully you said it, DJ, that, that tree was like that, that element of just the, we've got brains, we got brains putting together all these pieces and then something so simple as a tree gives it this deeper feeling, deeper meaning of connecting with the roots and then seeing how that carries over when they're actually doing it with load. Like now they look like they're stable. They don't look like they're struggling. Um, They look like they're actually enjoying themselves in the experience versus like, I fucking hate this workout. I'm dying. Nothing wrong with that. But there's an opportunity to shift that experience and go, "I, I recognize what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And I'm just doing it. I'm actually, I'm experiencing myself right now. I think what I'm hinting at is just, it's presence. It brings you into that moment of what you're doing so that you can make a different decision that might actually be better for what you're trying to do. Are you trying to lift a plant in your backyard and bring it to the front yard and it's in a heavy pot? How did you do that? You know, you don't seem to answer it with words, but maybe you chose a different position. And like you said, it's so intuitive and innate, but I think many people who have walked this earth longer than we have, um, start to become out of touch with it because they've been taught out of it or never been gifted in an environment where they can explore that. Mm -hmm. Maybe they never gifted that themselves, that opportunity. So, um, I don't know if you had any conversations with other, uh, I've seen some other like yogis working with with coiling and WEC method, but um, any other application of cheat torque. I see a lot of people's personal practices thriving, like they're, they're doing things differently and it seems to be more explorative. Um, but is there any, any instances specifically that you guys can think of, of um, like real-time application or even your own?
3: I mean, it completely educates everything I do at WEC method, by the way, like 100%. <laughs> uh. So everybody that runs through rec method to some level is going to be influenced by the understanding and the language of this for sure, like 100%. Um, As far as exact application, like somebody specifically doing something, I think like even people like yourself, CGI, I would definitely say that I think people have kind of picked up a little bit of the language in regards to like, especially like the simplicity of having the emojis and stuff and it being able to like just write something on the board really easy, like using symbols and stuff like that. So I think gen, general, any coaches that, that have done it, it's, it's been as simple as applying that language and intent to movements and maybe removing some of the responsibility on aggressive queuing in my mind. But <clears throat> I don't know about you, DJ, if you have somebody like super specific that's taken something off with it or. <clears throat> I could speak uh,
2: personally. It's, it's changed my programming um, and how I program exercises. So now I kind of filter them through, okay, I'm going to take this pattern squat deadlift. And now I have the internal torque, external torque in this um, split uh, torque Mm -hmm. model of doing it. So now I have three pathways and that actually ends up in my assessment a lot of times, because we'll see people who, they, like you were talking about the plant, they have one um, solution for a problem mm-hmm. and they don't know how to add that there's different solutions to solve the same external task. So I, this is a story I tell about a, a lady I trained who she came in um, and she complained about uh, lower back issues, a lot of lower back pain. So I had her doing a clean and press with a sandbag really light sandbag. Actually, this might have been a, a medicine ball, actually. So she would pick it off the, off the ground, press it overhead, drop it, pick it up, press it overhead, and drop it. And I said, okay, so now we're going to go to just deadlifts. And she goes down to pick up the ball, arches her back, and lifts it halfway and drops it and says, I can't do this. It hurts my back. You know, I can't do deadlifts. And and I said, you know, that's funny because you, you just did 10 – um, you know, ground to overhead presses, you had to pick it up. That's a deadlift as well. You know, it's the same task, but just the um, cultural baggage in the language of deadlift, it being an exercise where she was probably coached a certain way or cued the right way to do it, how you have to do it. Kind of what Chris was talking about, like he didn't like to be cued. So this lady had all this um, influence put over how she was able to access a movement. And how I viewed it was, okay, let's assess this. She went into full external torque in order to do the movement. So our plan was teach her to connect to internal torque. And about cueing, uh, I forgot to mention, I do tactile cueing all the time mm-hmm. with everything because it gives you that map of where do we want the line of tension. So I'll press onto those main muscles. And I said, this is where we're driving intention and the whole Organism will orient more around that when you give them that feedback. So, uh, we gave her the connection to internal torque and then had her move dynamically through it, you know, position and then into the dynamic movement. And of course, there's mobility in there, and we worked our way to the deadlift from the floor. It looked the way she was told to never do it. There was some flexion, there was some bracing in the opposite direction, which goes back to, you know, that tree. You hug the tree or you rip the tree apart, uh, and go into it. And that's how a lot of people are deadlifting is ripping that apart. Or you'll see this quote unquote, um, you broke form or you lost form when knees collapse in, or when you arch, you know, that's just a different strategy of switching torque is how I see it during a movement. So, yeah, we simply just, um, gave her a different option to do the task And she no longer had issues doing it. So, you know, that's, I think, a a way that I use it now is assessment and application of exercise Mm -hmm. selection.
1: Powerful what you said about the, the choice that when you, the cultural baggage that comes with when you say something like a deadlift or a squat or a lunge and how it has its, each person has a definition of what that is. And it could be, most of the time it's, um. A contribution from external sources telling you how to do something. Unless nobody's had that, then they just, they do it a certain way and they maybe have some other options because they don't have this blockage or this wall that says, don't do this. Um, somebody yelled at them or they saw somebody get hurt because they did it that way. And then it's like this deeper assumption or there's, there's emotion attached to it really. Um, and it inhibits our emotion. And it's something it's really helped me work with individual people when they come in, when they've got, let's say they've got like a knee valgus or something. And they've been told like, oh, I didn't need to keep pulling my knees outward because they only go outward. It's like, well, can we, can we communicate this on a level that's not wrong? It's just something that your body may not be aware of how to communicate with the rest of your body. Cause you're, you're not just a knee. You're not just a hip. You're not just a shoulder. Those are individual pieces. They're all attached at some, in some way, shape or form to the muscular system, the skeletal system, nervous system, all of the above, all our organs are working together. And to just open that conversation And say, hey, listen, there's a lot of right ways and there's not really a wrong way. It's just we need to help your body communicate better and match your intent with your action. Because you might be thinking that you're doing something when your body's not doing that thing. So can, can we be a mirror as coaches as opposed to just having them look in the mirror and say I need to be perfect form? Can we be that mirror where they can reflect on their experience? And another conversation we have a lot of times is I can't feel something for you, but I can see it. And then you can feel something. So can you learn how to share what you're sensing or experiencing so that I can, we can kind of step into each other's experience here and help each other out. Um, I think that helps to remove some of that cultural baggage because now it's a conversation about their movement and it's an experience that's shared versus you don't know what I'm feeling and you don't know what I'm seeing and I'm the authority, and you're the person paying me, and I'm just going to tell you how it's supposed to be done. I don't think anybody's doing that necessarily on purpose, but we tend to get caught up in that because of the lack of communication with our own body and realizing there's so many ways to do something. There's probably a better way and a more efficient way to do it than you might be doing something if it's hurting you. But what is causing that? I think it's that that opening that communication. Uh, there's a book I read, it was called Emotional Anatomy, and looking at how somebody may hold their body right maybe they're like very rigid and upright authoritative or the opposite and they're kind of closed down more depressed they're closed off to the world and they're in protect mode and then there's like the bloated you're just you're out you're kind of living in your stomach and your low back and then there's the opposite of just like crumpled in. So like they talk about these four I think his name is Stanley 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 something but in emotional anatomy if you look it up um that that helped me become aware of like, oh, somebody's coming in to see me to get better. Can I see them for who they are right now? And not necessarily put judgment on that, but just recognize that their body may be steered in certain torque, inward, outward, maybe it's more in the upper, maybe it's more in the lower. And their, their awareness is living in one of those places, not in the full body. And something that we did, um, you'd taken us through a, a, a tactile movement drill, DJ, that was like, hey, can you flex this tissue? Can you activate it? You touch on a shoulder, touch on a back. Can you just contract that space or bring awareness to that space? And it's amazing how easy some things are and how difficult other pieces are, depending on where you're, where you may be living um, in your body most of the day, or when you're training a certain way, like, okay, I'm on a, a certain protocol. I've got to get this much strength, this many reps, this kind of load, how caught up we can get in that side of the experience. That's so external that we may not be reflecting on how we're doing something and connecting deeper with ourselves so that we don't need to do something one way. We, we just react to our environment as it is. And so be it. It is what it is. Um, as opposed to like, okay, like the videos of uh functional training in real life or traditional training in real life. And you see a guy doing laundry and it's all laundry dump sit. And it's kind <laughs> of like, it's, a, it's <laughs> a, very, it's a, what's his name? Bearded, bearded, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, cool. uh, he, it's kind of like making fun of what we're, what we're training our body to do. And when we're in that 20-minute, 30-minute, one-hour, two-hour training session, how much inputs we have the opportunity to connect with from an external environment and different forces that can help us just live our life more freely and not have to have complex conversations about what's going on and more so just more of a, a connected experience of what happened, of what really happened.
2: Yeah, I like what you said about the uh, feeling Uh, you feel the movement because that's I think in the evidence-based like training world a lot of people are anti-subjective feeling Um, like sensation doesn't matter at all doesn't matter where you feel it because it's not measurable Um, you know I disagree I think the one thing that um, connects all of us are these major like muscle groups and landmarks in the body like we could all flex our pec right now and uh, we could all feel that happen. And we all know we're feeling kind of the same thing and it's going to kind of put the same tension and bias the same position through the body. So that's why I think it's, it's valuable to give people, um, teach someone to connect and feel their body. And you're giving them uh, a very valuable skill that they could then uh use as an internal compass when they're navigating tension through movements Uh, instead of just hoping they look aesthetically uh, correct or, you know, they're, they're performing it the right way, which is the best. I think it's the best people think we have available is like, we just got to reverse engineer this to make the uh, skeleton shapes similar and then you're doing it correctly Um, but we're also different and like I said there's different intent involved so the feeling I think is something universal that uh, hasn't been articulated or we don't have the instruments to maybe measure that Uh, I mean we have EMG but that's not too reliable so I think that was kind of our conversation in the beginning between Chris and I was uh, okay how do we how do we verbalize this, communicate it, and then transmit that feeling onto other people? Mm-hmm. And I think people are doing it in lots of different ways, and, and I love that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different paths to get to success. We're stuck in one, we're gonna find some failure. <laughs> Failure's not bad, but maybe it's finding a new path. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um we got a few more minutes, guys. Um, Chris and DJ, I'd love for you guys to share a little bit about how people can find you and um, apply a lot of the principles that you bring into your own practice and into your service in your community, whether it's with coaches, with athletes, with just your population that's coming through. Um, I know, Chris, you're through Wet Method, and DJ, you, you're kind of a, I think you're just a standalone I don't know. I don't know much about where, uh, where to find you, man. You're kind of, you're kind of (laughs) in the the ether. That's not (laughs) not
2: good for my business.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you can share a bit more where people can, can search you out besides just the social media channels, but uh, get a chance to realize that you're a real person in flesh.
2: Yeah. I'm not a bot. (laughs) bot. Um, You could find, you could find me on uh, Instagram, strong camps and have a link tree with everything on there or yeah that's it <laughs> is
1: that why <laughs> <laughs> that's why nobody can...
3: <laughs> yeah just go to the link tree find it <laughs> yeah it's somewhere on the link tree you know i mean they can get Sheet Torque. that would be the number one thing we're sitting there talking about language we're creating a way to communicate and i think the best way to find that would be to find cheat which is on uh, on your link tree right now yeah the human strong that <laughs> it might, it might
2: be. Yeah. It's on there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you, if you head there um, it'll take you to all the courses available in um, coming up, uh, Chris and I are going to be showing our own training. Um, our own programs are going to be available to access on uh, the strength quest, which is a platform we're coming out with. And Chris is going to be showing you all, all the rotational um, strength he does with that split torque. And I'll be showing how I, um, program internal, external and split torque in my programming.
3: Mm -hmm. Brad, what about you, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, strength quests, I think that's going to be a great way to sort of like gather and find the two of us, um, and sort of like an uh, tangible program that you can start playing around with us. Uh, and then if you're a coach or just a movement practitioner and you're, you're interested in learning more about sort of split torsion even layers of this and how we apply it at WEC Method. Uh, we have live courses of the rotational movement training course uh, that are coming up. I got one in Austin actually at the end of this week, which I don't know when this goes. but uh, And then we have, uh, we have one coming up in August 12th in San Diego. And then we'll be shooting out a bunch more of those as well. And we, we teach you guys uh, rolling ropes, like how to propulse these Propulse Speed Trainers and elastic bands. And we'll be using a lot of the, the torsion concepts involved in that as well. That
1: was one of the, my favorite things that I, I, I've i done with uh, courses that I've taken was actually go out to Wack Method. It was like – it was actually because of DJ's doing. He brought ropes out to Peru. I did not want to play with him. I was, like, mm-hmm. looking at him from a distance going, like, what the heck? What, what are the they heck? doing? It's like he's wearing, it like, a belt, and then he's throwing it around. Like, what is this? And then two months later I found myself in San Diego with Chris and Alex <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was a absolutely brilliant experience and has, has helped this community out so much at gymnasio. I mean, we've got rope flow classes that it's, it's techniques, but it's more flow and, and kind of where as a group working out with different motions and people are taking them on vacations and saying like, ah, oh, it was so cool that I got to get some movement in and keep my practice and then come back and feel like I've, I've continued to make progress or sustain my level and it's brought like, I mean, worldwide communities
3: together. I don't know if I've yeah, ever planned incredible. to do that, yeah.
1: but it's um, yeah. Was, Wait, like, uh, what's
3: cool too, like if you come out to a course with me and stuff too, I always, I love talking sheet work talk and stuff while we're at it too. And anybody that sort of stumbled upon it, it feels like a nice little secret community in some level. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm always really excited to, to use that language as well and talk about how it applies to, to things that are super fluid. Like, uh, like the rope like that, my understanding of the torsion and that, and I'd love to explain that in a, a way to express it, and we didn't really discuss that today, but this is not something that all, always has to be like high tension or high load or something like that. The intensity doesn't always have to be way up there, and that was something I think we were really pushing at first. Is It's not exactly that. That's a great way to feel it, and I think me and DJ naturally gravitate towards that uh, in our own practices. That's just who we are. I think we learn by strength uh, and intensity, but maybe I'm speaking for you, but I definitely do myself. Um, so that's a, that's a cool thing. I also sort of like discuss if you, if you're in the know, so. Right on.
1: Yep. Thank you guys so much for popping on. I, if you guys don't mind, i will let you invite you back and dive into more of those concepts. This is kind of more like an overview, kind of see where things come from. So people feel like they've kind of been part of that, uh, part of this since the beginning, because it's still, it's still growing in the communities that are sharing this similar verbiage communication is, uh, I feel it's very powerful. And it's a way that I, when I came to the WEC method, I was actually going through the cheat Torque course and it was um, like, it felt like it was, they, they tied together so well. And you, I felt like we were already connected you and I, Chris, with it before, yeah. um, before ever really meeting you in person. So I really do appreciate yeah. that and hope to see you guys all very, very soon. Yeah. 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 That's the game plan. Right. Thanks DJ.
2: Good chat. Yeah.
1: DJ Chris, thank you so much uh, until next time y'all. Check us out on Instagram, on YouTube, and, of course, our other podcasts.
0: Peace. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed through the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So, share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor. Take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnasio Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnasio Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90 day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact so let us help you do just that we have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification we even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours but we promise you this your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide, taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until we see what we deliver on this program. So just go to GymnazoEDU.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.